Hi guys, good afternoon or good morning, whichever. Um, my name is Boyd Pelly, and I'm one of the co-founders of a company called churchteams.com. And um, so today what we're gonna do is we're gonna talk about digital support for micro churches. But I wanna give you a little bit of background, just who I am, who our company is a little bit, so you guys kind of have some knowledge of, okay, where's this guy coming from? And um, I served for 18 years as a um, church administrator, discipleship pastor, as a family pastor in churches in New Mexico, Nebraska, and Texas. And about 2000, <clears throat> um, I remember for the first time understanding cloud-based computing. And I went to one of my small group leaders. I was a small group discipleship pastor. That's always been kind of my core focus. And I went to one of our small group leaders who is a world-class software architect. And I said, you know what? What if we built a software around the core process of making disciples and building teams? That was literally the phrase I used. I was fortunate. I'd had some guys that really poured into my life. I'd been on church staff and had people help me understand what discipleship looked like on church staff. So those were literally the words I used. And so we, we started out as a small group software. And we coined that term way back then. And the Lord is very gracious, just something we were doing on the side. And we got to know some of the guys at some of the churches that were big and doing conferences back then. And they found out what we were doing. They were consulting and coaching a lot of groups uh, oriented churches. And as a result of that, they loved what we were doing. So they brought us in alongside. And now remember, this is just something I'm kind of doing on the side. And it began to grow. People love what we were doing to help connect people to groups, to get follow-ups so we knew what was happening in groups, and um, also coaching, how we were able to help them. We'll look at some of that in a few minutes. But as it grew, <clears throat> um, it became obvious we couldn't do both anymore. Begin to focus about a dozen years ago, we made the decision to go full-time and then focus on becoming a full church management system. We're going to talk a lot more about that, um, <clears throat> all that means in a few minutes. But what I always tell people is we started out as this completely innovative software. Nobody had ever done anything like this before. And a lot of people have, you know, learned and copied from what we did. And then all of a sudden we switched. And now we're just trying to keep up with the expectations everybody else has of software to manage a church. Well, fast forward about eight years, 2016, 2017, Felt like after all those years of trying to get things up to speed, we're ready to really be innovative again and go back to some of our very roots and some of our the core of who we are. So I'm going to share my screen and I want to walk through with you guys a little bit about what we're talking about. <clears throat> when I talk about digital support for micro churches, um, the micro church movement, it seems to me, is a very creative way innovative way to reach people and to help make disciples. Everything I see about it is about discipleship. At the end of the day, how are we making disciples? And a discipleship is a process of becoming transformed into the likeness of Christ, right? It's about being a learner, being a follower of his. It is not a database. There's no allusion to that being the case. But because of some of our experiences with databases, church management systems or whatever in the past, <clears throat> we felt like 
a lot of us can feel like data in ministry can become the objective. And we've always heard churches that talk about numbers, whether it's attendance or budget or number of staff or all of that kind of stuff. And if you're like me, for a lot of us, that's just kind of a turnoff because if those are really your objectives, then the purpose is nothing more than ambition or self-promotion. But if the objective is discipleship, then you've got to figure out how are we going to get better at making disciples. And so you do have to ensure that you set up certain measures that reflect discipleship. There's Peter Drucker, a a standard uh, person, a standard business guy. A lot of you've heard about him, heard of him. said, you can't improve what you don't measure. You can't improve what you don't measure. I remember the first time I heard that and I started thinking about how am I doing making disciples? And I thought, well, what what does one look like? Um, I love social um, media, but social is connection. And connection is really important for um, discipleship and connecting, but we can't confuse connection with discipleship. They're two different things. Connection is the beginning point. Discipleship is an ongoing process of becoming more and more like Christ. But what does that look like? And how do we measure it? We've got to have a clear picture of what that looks like. And a database can really help you see that and accomplish those objectives. So I've been thinking for years about this process. And the last couple of years in particular, I've been doing a lot of kind of thinking about, well, how can a database help us measure discipleship objectives? And I've come up with something that this is literally my first time to share it, okay? So it's something that's just been rummaging around for a long time, but I thought, let me share it with the exponential crowd. I think it'd be really fun to do. So what (coughs) is the mark of a disciple? And how would you measure that mark to make sure you're improving it? Well, one mark that we would all say was a disciple is somebody that has some degree of commitment. We know Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there, at some point in the process, we wanna be about helping introduce people to Jesus, to have a relationship with him. And then one of my favorite verses on church and church life is actually Ephesians 2.22, where Paul says, we're being built together to becoming a dwelling, a place that God dwells by his Holy Spirit. And so we're being built together. We don't get built individually. We get built together. And so one of the marks of a disciple is a commitment to Christ and then a commitment to a group of people to grow. And in typical databases, one of the ways that we can measure some of that commitment is based on something like a church member type. Are they a guest? Are they coming? Are they just coming for the first time? Um, We may not know much about them. Are they a regular attender? Are they a member? Typically, with membership of some nature comes some acknowledgement or some opportunity to commit themselves to Jesus. And then from there, to grow with him. So it's the first mark is kind of a handshake. It's an idea of a commitment. Hey, we're in, 
we're in with Jesus or we're in to discover Jesus and we're in with our church. In a few minutes, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about how in a database you can track that process. Okay. Moving somebody maybe far away to where they come close and make a decision for Christ and how you can kind of track some of that. But a second characteristic or second mark of a, of a disciple is community, right? John 13, 34, we all know this. A new commandment I give you that you must love one another. And then right here, by this, all men will know you're my disciples. How? By the love that you have for each other. So all the one another's, that's part of our discipleship process. That's why we build people into community because we know that when they're in community, they're going to have the opportunity to grow in their character, in their Christ-likeness, and um, community is the environment where that gets to be, where we mold that. And that's what it looks like to be a disciple, is you learn and you grow in love. All the qualities of 1 Corinthians 13, right? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not self-seeking. Where are you going to get those qualities in our culture these days? It's in community. That's what community is for. Paul was totally on board on this. And I'm just hitting the high points on these things, you guys, because you all know these. But 1 Thessalonians 2, it's another really verse that I love. Says we love where Paul says to the Thessalonian church, we loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our very lives as well. So that's why we do community. It's a mark. It's a picture of our love for Jesus and our love for relationships. So how do we measure community and church life? This is one of the things that we got really good at as a small group software is helping people, first of all, connect with folks, but not only connect, but cap begin to capture data that helped us to see people's commitment or their consistency within a group. So we can, because we developed this amazing system to be able to track um, really it's attendance, who's there and who's not there. It's a simple, low-hanging fruit, but it's not about numbers. It's about consistency. This is one of the things we learned about, about the measure of community and commitment is consistency. The more consistent somebody is as part of their group, the more they're growing in their love for one another and their commitment to love one another. So there's a lot of ways we can use that data in the database to find somebody who's not in community or they just attend. Maybe that means they show up 50% or less of the time. Or we see that they're a regular attender and maybe we benchmark that at 50% or 80%. But we've got all that data in the database. This takes a little math and a little work to be able to take that and to track that to help us make it into a legitimate um, measure of a disciple. Or maybe they're leading a, a, a small group, a community group as well. And you guys, I've just picked these five. You guys could pick the other qualities and maybe you took, will do the language a little bit different as to what a discipleship looks like. But these are just things that through the years I've seen, most people have some rendition of all of these. Commitment, community. Third one is serving. Um, it's really what it means to follow Christ. Luke 9.23, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. And where? Well, Mark 10.45, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve 
and to give his life as a ransom for many, right? So we know that. So serving is built into what it looks like as a result of loving other people. We serve other people. The cross for us is each one of us is to pick up our own cross. First Peter 4.10 says each one of us should use whatever gift is received to serve others faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. So it doesn't look the same. Carrying the cross and following Christ doesn't because each of us are wired different. We have different passions. We have different spiritual gifts, different experiences that God uses to help us serve. So we have to learn how within the database to benchmark the training that we're giving people. So we can benchmark a date. Let's say somebody completes a, a training class on spiritual gifts and we're able to identify those. And then when they get placed in and they find a place where they're serving, um, at least two-thirds of the time, that's our general guideline, in a place that reflects what who God made them really to be. Or maybe, so we have some, we have that data in the database. You put an attribute where you're tracking people when they accomplish that training or based on a role. Are they serving a, a low-level serve, you know, once a month kind of thing? Well, you've got all that in the database. Or are they serving weekly? It's a little higher serving or are they providing oversight and significant service? You pick, again, you can define these, but you've got this date in there. You've got benchmark of dates. You've got roles that people are in the different ministry areas that they're serving. Okay, so we've got commitment. We've got community. We've got serving. Fourth one is giving. And giving, you guys, is a matter of the heart. That's why I use a little icon heart here. Because we all know Matthew um, 6.21. Where Jesus said, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also, right? And 2 Corinthians 9, 6, each one of us should use whatever gift is received. Oops, that's the first Peter one. Each one should give whatever he has decided in his own heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Why? For God loves a cheerful giver. And scripture is really clear, Proverbs 4, 23, that we need to guard our heart. Because everything we do flows from it. We all know what it's like to live where we live and how much control and power money has over us and motivates us. Part of becoming a disciple is that we surrender that. And so that our heart is fully devoted to Jesus. And we guard our hearts by diminishing the power that um, the money has over us. Can we measure that? Sure we can. Now, this one's a lot more sensitive. And maybe we don't want to use this one out loud in the database, but you can sure that you could do some measures if you wanted to, because you're tracking people's giving. So we've got data that would measure, okay, it's unknown. Maybe these people give anonymously, so you don't know um, if they've not given. Or maybe you've got a measure that reflects a heart as, hey, these are really kind folks. That means they give up to, you pick a number. Maybe it's $1,000 in the last 12 months. You can always measure that in the software, or maybe they're gracious. These are people maybe that you identify that give, have given $1,000 in the last uh, year up to whatever a tenth of your average in your city or state is, and they're gracious. These are people who are very gracious. And again, then you can measure those that are generous that are above that. But you've got all that data in the database if you want to use it here. This one... I know it's a little up for grabs because we really don't want to know exactly how much people are giving. So maybe or maybe not you use it. I'm just saying you can. 
and it's a good measure of people's hearts. Okay, the last one here <clears throat> on the characteristic of a disciple that I'm going to do today is, well, let's talk about which ones we've talked about. Commitment. We've talked about community, talked about serving, talked about giving. The last one we're going to talk about is leadership. John 8, 31 is an interesting verse. It tells us exactly what a disciple looks like. To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples, right? So you're really my disciple if you follow through and obey and do what I say. And it says, then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, right? John 8, 32. So leadership and growing in faith is by getting the training and the teachings of Christ putting those into you. And the more you grow and in the training and the more you start following who Christ is, the more you're developing as a leader. In Ephesians 4, Paul talks in equipping language as being equipped to become, you know, to, to, to serve in different areas. And of course, in 2 Timothy 2, 2, um, to his apprentice, he says, in the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, and trust a reliable man who will also be qualified to teach others. So what are we measuring in a database to help us track all of this stuff? Well, certainly we're tracking some training, okay? So again, you wanna use your database to benchmark significant training points. When somebody goes through a leadership development, maybe you've got a small group leader training process, or you've got a um, equipping, um, process, something like that. Benchmark the significant points along the way. And that gives you data then that you can use to identify somebody in the leadership bandwidth or spectrum as somebody who's, well, they've accomplished some of these training objectives here. And of course, you've got roles in the database too. So you can see all your leaders and um, recognize that these are leaders who've been trained, that are serving in a small group area or a children's ministry or youth or worship or missions area, right? And so you just make sure you've got the database set up to be able to reflect that. And then maybe even somebody that's set up as a mentor. So <clears throat> I use that little signpost here just to say, by knowing the teachings of Christ, and that's a, a, a mark of being a disciple. And by investing that into others, we're giving people direction as to the road and the way that God designed and to walk in it and uh, where to live and, and how to grow and how to go in their life. Okay. So I just use these five marks of a disciple, commitment, community, serving, giving, and leadership to help us identify what are the data in the database that's going to help us measure these marks of a disciple. And we went through each one of these. But here's the question. And now's where we really get into it. We're going to dive into the software a little bit. What do these look like in a database? Okay. Um, let me show you something. So I'm in Church Teams now, our software. And I'm going to go ahead and log in. Okay. This is a dashboard, the homepage. As soon as somebody logs in, features a create card to get you um, launched to create some uh anything within the database. Uh, we, maybe we'll talk about the me and metrics card and the community card later on. But what I really want to show you for sake of this part of the discussion is that when I look for an individual in here, 
okay? And I go to their member profile page. Here's John Barkley. And I've set up attributes with drop-down responses based on all those choices we just picked. So I can see that John Barkley is set as a content, uh, an attender. Now, this is made up data, so it's probably not really reflective as well. But out of the commitment choices, he's an attender. Community is a leader. Serving, he's serving in a high level. Giving, he's gracious. Leadership, it's a multiple choice. He's been trained and he's active. Okay, so we build these member attributes in our software. What that entails is going in and building a member attribute, let's say one for commitment, okay? So I build a commitment attribute. I decide who gets to see it based on their access in the database. And then I pick my dropdown values right there. The same with community, serving, giving, and leadership. Now, once you've created those attributes or those values, then you can create reports that will populate them. Now, this is where we get into a little bit more sophisticated part of today's church management systems and databases, is we've learned a ton through the years about analytics. So for instance, I could create a, a report, and here's my report called um, Discipleship, Disciple Report, and Commitment, and I'm going to find everybody who's marked themselves as an attender. Maybe they chose that on a, a connection card. Okay, or we've got some other way of just identifying that. So we're going to go to the attribute to update their commitment as an attender. We're going to mass update that, make them attender. And over here, we're just going to select a church member type that's called regular attender. So if somebody fills out a card and marks themselves as a regular attender, if you do a digital connection card, that will pre-populate the church member type to make them a regular attender. Or you can just manually do that. It doesn't matter, but we create this report now that is going to automatically take anybody who identifies as a church member type and select a drop-down attender for them. And we save that report in our software. You save that report. And now I can run a report at any time that uses the data that we have, in this case, church member type, and we'll assign it to that disciple value. On, on their profile. But the next step beyond that is to take those reports and you can actually schedule them. So let's say that disciple commitment attender report right here. So I've picked the report. I want it to notify me when it runs it. We're going to run this report once a month on the first of every month at 3.30 in the morning. So literally, the system will self-populate those fields, just because I go in and mark somebody as a regular attender. Okay, so that's kind of an idea of what it looks like and how you can build the system to where you take the time to build it and you build it really well, and then it'll take care of itself and give you the output that, um, that we want to have here. Okay, so that's a little bit about what it looks like in here. Now, a couple of things, and if you guys got questions anywhere along the way here, throw them in the chat there, and uh, we'll, we'll pick those up as we go along on here. But so far, all I've done is giving you some of our latest thinking 
on how to use a database to track discipleship, okay? And it's using data that people actually have in the system and using it to automatically populate a member attribute so that for any member, you can go to their member profile page, see exactly where they're at on the three, five, seven values that you have, and you've created reports that are going to automatically keep that up to date for you. Pretty cool. Okay. So, um, all right. Member profile, saved, and scheduled reports. Um, now, from there, this is just kind of the basics on making a discipleship, on making disciples. So I want to back up just a little bit from kind of some of the fun, uh, innovative, leading edge on how to provide support for a real goal of making disciples in a micro church. I'm going to back up and show you a few other principles that are really important. In fact, I'm going to show you a couple of them that are really important because we all know this. The output of a system is only as good as the input, right? So getting that data in to the system is really important. So I'm going to show you a few things we learned about that. First of all, a couple of guiding principles have directed us as we built church teams all these years. One of them is keep all your people info in one database. Can you imagine if you have your attendance information, one database, you've got your giving information in another database, you've got your volunteer information in a different database. Um, well, you're not going to be able to have all that data in one place to be able to pull together to give you the reflection that you need. Secondly, to organize everything by groups. Third, to decentralize with tools that people already know. So let me build on these just a little bit. I've already given what already said, kind of the core idea with one database. And then it's important to be able to pull together all the data that you have from one place without linking in and a ton of other extra stuff. So what we've done in church teams is we've been committed to this principle. So we're one database, we're your CRM. Uh, the history of church management systems that started out really as financial packages to track accounting and use the name church management over that. But in the last 10 to 20 years, that's morphed to where there really is a distinction between a CRM for a church where you're managing people data and an accounting system where you're really tracking um, just the finances, general ledger, things like that. For us, we're one database. CRM, take care of your groups, your children's check-in, because that data is super important. There's some really cool things we do with churches these days in, in check-in if you do check in. Same with volunteer management. Online giving's obviously been a huge one this year, you guys. Um, I did some analytics uh, two, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, something like that. Online giving with our clients last year, you guys increased 193% over the year before because of COVID. And our average church, their income was 100% of what it was in 2019. I could not believe it. I could not believe it when I looked at that. So there's some pretty big issues there. Online giving, we do manage contributions to be able to send out um, uh, the statements to your folks and be able to track all their giving stuff too. Um, yeah, yes. 
we are going to talk about a great question here. Do you have any practical advice on making sure data is updated well? It's going to be our next question, in fact. You're going to love how practical this is, really practical. So email marketing, uh, a, lot of church, a, lot of, a lot of you like to use maybe Constant Contact and MailChimp. It's built in. That way you don't have to have your data outside. You don't have to be matching lists and communication and connection issue. It's all one database. Text marketing has become a really major thing in the last number of years to be able to push out texts, but also to do workflows of texts, texts and things like that. Event registration, assimilation, having a nice clean process for helping people um, um, move from first time you contact them, maybe just a web contact, even they haven't even shown up. We do a whole lot on assimilation to help you think through how do I take somebody from a web compact, Facebook contact, it doesn't matter. And then how do I develop a workflow? Our software has a really nice tool to do that, to move them into whatever the next step might be. Maybe it's an online group. Maybe it's just watching online. Maybe from there, it's having them come and join. Just depends on the nature of what you want, but it's all included in the one database. And then the reporting, as you saw a second ago. Um, so one of the things, let me just kind of quickly show you a couple of things that we learned here um, uh, of how to get people to where they actually really use the software on a consistent basis. Um, one, yeah, let me just start this. I, I told you guys we started out as a small group software, right? So one of the things that helped us to grow is we developed it so that when somebody came to the database and let's say you created a group for any one of your micro churches or small groups, whatever you call them. Now church teams, everything's a group. If it involves more than one person, it's created as a group. So if you've got events right here, you're gonna create the group in step three. Step two, you identify the leader. Step three, you'll organize this group so that it fits within the structure of your church. Could be very simple, could be very complex. It doesn't matter, maybe there's only two things in terms of ministries. But that way, when you're done, you can go to a browse groups page. Here's everything that involves more than two people, two or more people in our whole church right there. And when we created those groups, we organized them based on these profile questions that we set up. So I wanna see the small groups and here's all the small groups. But you can customize these into multiple um, drop down. So if I just want to see the small groups for parents of teenagers, there are those groups. Now, this we took and became the um, foundation for Group Finder. You see Group Finder in all kinds of church management systems these days. We started it based on this profile. And so you can put a Group Finder on your, on your website, looks just like this, and people can come and find a group. But the bigger idea in church teams is that your whole church is organized around this. Let me just fast forward a little bit. Let's say I want to see all the events our church is doing for a year. Then I'll identify those as events. If I want to see just the event for student ministry, we'll pick the student ministry events. And all these profile questions can be used to do reports. I want to email everybody who was at a student event this year. I want to send them a text, whatever we want to do. Or I want to see the attendance at all the events we had last this year. So all of these profiles can be used um, for filters too. But once you create a group, let me go into a group here. 
a typical small group. And by the way, this short search will help you find any individual or any group from anywhere you're at in the database. This is what the group looks like. You can add people into the group. You can select them. You can remove people from a group, transfer them in and out, copy them to different groups. Um, a lot that we do on this, do reports on a group, communicate with the group here, all of that. Um, so here's our group. I can, there you go, communicate, do reports on the group, edit the group information, all of that. Let's sound with this leader to do a weekly report for me. I could put it on the website, ask people to um, create a password and they'll log in, right? We found that doesn't work very well. And this was foundational for a lot of things for us. But we found you were lucky to get 20% return on something like that. So years ago, we developed the system so that on the day that this group meet, so if I go to group information every Thursday, every week after that date, then the system is going to automatically push out an email that I can get on my phone or anywhere I check my email, right? And so that day, I get it in the morning. I'm leading my group at night. While I'm in the group, I click, we met, one click, and I'm on my page to do my report, okay? But the report isn't just to do attendance for me. The report is for me to communicate to my group. So one thing I learned as a, as a discipleship pastor is if I encourage my group leaders that if you want to build a strong group, communicate between meetings. We're going to help you do that. So that's what we designed this report to do. So they can copy the email to the whole group, put in notes related to the group, prayer requests for the group. And when they send it out, then the whole group gets it. The software captures that um, information. The whole group gets a copy of it. If you're a leader, it'll even give you the um, analytics for individuals that missed this week and phone numbers to call them. So you can even do follow-up if you're a leader of the group. If you're just a member of the group, you can see it. You can see the notes, prayer requests, all of that. If you're upline of this group, you're the pastor. I used to get up to 60 of these in a week. And every one of them, the Lord really convicted me to pray through them. This became the way, it became the way I prayed for my ministry. And then I would hit reply, tell the leader I just prayed for him, reply all, tell the group how proud of them I was, whatever it might be. I would even forward this to the senior pastor occasionally just to have a little story of what's going on in the life of the church. Okay. But even then, even though it was super simple, one click, we discovered we needed one other thing. And that was a little accountability. So if they don't follow up the first time, two days later, they get a second reminder. Two days after that, they get a third reminder. And um, we did this for a couple of years and we were seeing 90, 100% response from leaders just because it was simple. It was useful. They use it to communicate to their group and it was accountable. So those three things put together to get the feedback from folks. But even then, even after that, we found that some churches, it went south a little bit. So we had to have one other little accountability piece. And that's a fourth reminder. And the fourth reminder doesn't go to the leader of the group. It goes to the person who oversees that group and lets them know. And says, hey, as a person oversees the group, please call to make sure everything's okay. Because right here is what we found. If you don't, they may assume nobody is shepherding them. And that's what had happened. When they missed a week, 
Nobody called, nobody followed up with them, nobody cared about them. So that's why it's so important if you're overseeing groups on these, what I would do is between me and my coaches that were overseeing these groups, we would respond to these groups every week and just tell them we loved them, we prayed for them, whatever. That's how you build consistency to help your leaders to, to fill out, to respond, especially in a decentralized ministry. A lot of our churches that were also, were the Sunday school, they had room for big facilities, but they knew more about what was going on in their groups throughout the week than they did on Sunday mornings in the classroom. So they just took the system and built it right into the classroom because it helped that much. And for most of us in micro churches or whatever, people are meeting in homes or meeting in coffee shops, wherever, make it super simple. They check their email every day anyway. Okay. So that was a huge one. Now we're starting to get the data in. Now, the purpose of the data isn't just to get the data in. Remember, goes back to our discipleship prospect. As a result of giving, getting that kind of data, now I can run reports to see the consistency rates of people because I have this great way of getting data into my system. Um, so at the end of the day, I can come in here. Here's a shortcut to some reports that I can stick right on the front of my page. It'll give you an idea. I can run this report and then I could use this report to populate consistency commitment. And you see right there, it'll show me the, the, the number of people and their average attendance. Uh, there's the consistency rate right there. And so you can use this to help track how people are doing, just being faithful to one another. Really some great ideas, you guys, on um, managing groups. So as I said, we built on this concept. And so now we organize everything by groups. That's how church teams class, we looked at all of that. You guys, even assimilation is managed as a group. Let me show you the cool thing of this. And then one other thing, and we'll see. If you guys got questions, shoot them our way right now. But here's the idea. We've got groups that are all fall under our assimilation category, okay? So my goal is to get somebody from a first-time guest group. And by the way, I can use that to identify them as a correct guest. And our goal is to get them into a second-time guest group. From there, we want them to go to a new members class. So I've got my new members class. Here's everybody who's signed up. Now, at the same time, I've got my registration feature. So I can come in here, create a registration for an event. We'll talk about text to register in a second make copy that, put that on my website. People click on it. They've got a nice little form that'll put people right into this group, right into the database, okay? Um, we can launch workflows from that. There's a lot we can do from that. But then we follow them up. When they come, pick on their name again. And the goal will be to move them, yep, out of this group into whatever their next step is. So you guys, let me show you real quick a slide that didn't get in here right, but I'll show it to you anyway, um, of what assimilation looks like. Yeah, this will work. <clears throat> okay, so you've got groups. You're moving people that are not committed through a series of groups, each that has somebody responsible for them to some sort of point of commitment. 
then from that point of commitment, you're using groups to move them into, generally it's a small group or a serving team. And then each group is connected by what we call a workflow. And this is our flow of how we use the software to manage process of making disciples. And that's reflected right here in how we use the, the whole thing to move people through that kind of a process there. Okay, so everything is organized by groups. Now, the next thing. <clears throat> um, yes, yes, absolutely. So the process, that's a great question. Do the processes you're showing change any when the size of the church is very small or very large, or do they work well at any size? So what you would do on that is you would just adjust this. And we have a little thing that we help and want, want you to think through what does a process look like for you? Maybe from a website response, your goal, and this is usually a prepare for church or stay in touch with us or get a video about a marriage or something like that, a help that people find on your website. And then you set up what we call a workflow to get people to whatever their next step is in here. And maybe you only have one or two steps before you're actually wanting them to come to church and you're inviting them to some sort of commitment class or pizza with the pastor or whatever it might be. Or maybe it's very complex, but you just create the groups in the software to move them along the way. That's what you do. So it really doesn't matter um, how big the church is. You use the same thing on that. Let me make one thing clear to give you an idea. When I talk about workflows, here's the idea of a workflow. And that is when somebody gets put into a group, let's say a first-time guest group, you've got a series of actions that you follow up with them. You unenroll them from a previous workflow. You assign somebody to follow them up. You wait till Tuesday. You send them a, a personalized email. Saturday, you send them a text um, inviting them back. Or maybe you build this from somebody who has a response on your website that says, hey, my marriage is in danger. Can you help me? And they sign up for a little bit of help. And so what you do is once a week, you send this out with a customized email that has a link to a YouTube video that you use or some other training thing. And then you give them a week and you do another one. And each one has a little call to action to invite them to respond so that somebody can call them, follow up with them, invite them to church, whatever it might be. So it works with really any kind of process. And we do an automation webinar to show you how this works as well. And uh, we do a lot of consulting with churches to help figure out some of these workflows too. Okay. So that's kind of what we're talking about with the, um, the processes there. Well, <clears throat> you guys, we, um, we talked about email as a tool that people know and how they can just click on a link from an email to respond and all that. So when we built out the system, we built it where you could do a ton of things the same way. You can update your information, click a link on an email that's sent for you, asking you to please update your information in the database. Don't log in, click, and I'm doing what I need to do. Same concept. You see exactly where the concept came from. If there's somebody that is supposed to um, follow up with somebody, then you can send any, a reminder to them, please follow up with John Barkley today, one click, and they're in the database to be able to do the follow-up note. Right here, log a note, set another follow-up date. 
based on that. Ton of really amazing uh, tools that we did. This is true CRM stuff, things that we learned from places like Salesforce and HubSpot on how to help staff be really efficient in caring for and following up people, okay? That's another um, part of our software too that we talk about a lot, okay? Um, but we built it from email, but then when we built our own, our um, uh, online giving tool, right? As I mentioned, this is kind of where we'll go. As I mentioned, we, we like the idea of when, of everything being in one place. So instead of linking to something else for texting, we just built our own, okay? So the idea was this, and that is that when somebody wants to give, they can text the keyword, and now this can be to your landline number. The, the idea here is building on the email thing. Let's go where people already are. They're already texting. They text every day. You're not gonna ask anybody, you have to ask anybody to download a text app. They're already doing it. They may even have the church phone number and their contacts already. So you can literally tell them to text give to the church office number. As soon as they do, they'll get a link back and they'll be able to give. Not only can they give, they can manage their giving. And this is super helpful for a church of any size. We have great rates, the best in the industry, and we've worked really hard to make it clean, simple, People have access not only to their giving, but also any follow-up assignments they've been given, their volunteer schedule, links to anything else in the church, and the groups they lead. So another way I could do my group report is just by right from within the text and be back on the page to do that. Well, once you do that, um, the logical next thing was to let people text a number, say 15. As soon as they do, they get a text back. So because we're not just a payment processor, and a lot of payment processing companies can do this, that's not that big a deal, but we recognized it as a great interface with the database. So we built on it. So that new members class, imagine telling people just to text the church office number in MC and they register. Don't need any information that we don't already have. So it just registered for me or we've got an upcoming marriage conference. We have people text the word marriage, fill out a form. All the registration attributes are ready for them. By the way, when the phone number hits the database, the database knows it's them. Okay, it's just like logging in. That's the cool thing about texting to the database. It's like logging in. That then, um, that's why it filled out the form for me. Signed up for the marriage conference, integrated with my online giving so I can pay for the conference. And then with our registration, the next feature you've got allows you to sign up your kids for childcare. Boom, boom, boom. Do this live stream, do it in a living room, do it live from the front, whatever. And people can register all the same way. One of the big ones for this year, because of COVID and people want to do touchless is to use the same thing for a digital connection card. So you just, hey, guys, just text the word connect in here. You get the digital connection card. You just create the registration so it exactly replicates your whatever kind of card. If your church uses cards, right? I click how to join this church. Click OK. Click to continue. That puts them in a workflow. 
right from here. Nobody does this data entry on Monday morning. It's already done from the digital connection card and then the workflow set up and follows them up or notifies pastors accordingly. Um, unique thing totally to church teams. Anybody's coming to church, if it's a regular church and wants to do check-in, and they can check everybody into anything, and they'll get the name tags for kids. I won't go on much on that. Um, last thing, I text the word me, and um, it gives me a link to the same page that has everything about me in the database, where I can see all my information, update my groups, all that kind of stuff. And the other cool thing about this text feature in Church Teams is if you've got another link that you want, want to give to people, whether it's your sermons or maybe Bible, I think I connected version no gateway to this. And so I get it, and it takes them right to a Bible just by texting the word Bible. It is a version one, okay? You could do sermons that's unlimited, and you get to choose whatever keywords you want for the system to do whatever you want it to do, whether it's um, within church teams or not, okay? That's one of the real powerful parts of what we call text to church right there. Okay. Um, the other things that we do is we can integrate with your website directly so that you're not having to API information from your website into church teams. You can embed code in there, put links on there. People can click on that. Um, same with any kind of social integration. It's just a link. Put it in there so you can link anything for registration to any kind of social thing. If you wanted to, you can even have an app on, um, on your phone. And I'll give you that idea here. For us, you guys, an app is a shortcut to, uh, there's the member app. Oops, I got to share it. Give me a second there. Now we got it. Okay, go back. Okay, so what we do is Church Teams is optimized for mobile. Rather than building separate products for Google and Apple, we decided to build one product that was optimized to use on any platform. So what you'll do is you'll have a link, give it to people, they can add it to their home screen. You guys, this is easier than downloading an app, okay? And it takes less resources. It never has to update or anything. Basically, it's a shortcut, right? And then I come in here, put in my information to log in. Let's do that one. I think I did it right. Yep. And I've got my app and I'm back to my giving or my activity. That's at the member level. Same thing for a staff person. They can save the staff level login. And now everything you just saw me do, you can literally do right from your phone. The entire thing, the most complicated, most complex report you can run right from, from your phone there too. All right, you wanna try it? So here you guys go. If you wanna do this, or if you just wanna stay in touch with us, okay? To learn a little bit more, I do a weekly blog and I'm doing a lot of writing right now on scheduled reports. And um, I haven't even started doing this blog series I'm gonna do on the disciple stuff that we started at the beginning. Those will be coming. So if you're interested, um, text the word demo 
to that phone number right there. And it's going to give you a chance to actually look at the software, see what the interface with text to church looks like and set it up. It'll ask you to put in a child's name, go ahead and make up a child. And then it'll give you instructions on doing check-in. And it'll just give you a chance to get a feel for text to church. If you're not by your phone or whatever, you can go to ctinfo.us and that'll put you in the same thing to stay on, stay in touch with us, um, stay in touch with the blogs and be able to um, follow up with us right from there. Um, if you do demo, go ahead and, and do demo to get the information. You have some follow-up things, real nice link to our website. Um, we've got a lot of stuff on our website, you guys. If you haven't been to churchteams.com, it's really simple, just churchteams.com. You can see all of it. We did a really nice video right here. Some of the guys at Right Now Media did this for us. And so you can come in there and do that, see the features. And of course, the next question. So you guys keep that in mind. And I think that, well, I guess I didn't do, there it is, Q&A questions. Now, the question that you guys are all asking is, wow, that's a lot of stuff. How much can cost it? I don't think we can afford it. Um, well, we do a bunch of things, okay, to really help with churches. So let me come here, go to our pricings page on the website. Any organization has less than 200 people. All of that is $37 a month. Support is included in that. The only additional fees are $10 for the phone number to text to church. And then our online giving is $19 a month plus processing fees. Okay. And we're getting ready to roll those out where your people can pay their own processing fees. Probably in the next couple of months, we'll have that feature out for you. If you're a church plant, okay, I was a part of several church plants um, through the years, and we have a real heart for helping churches plant. We take that number 37, year one, it's 17. Year two, it's 27. Year three, it's 37. To give you three years to get up to that, because we really feel like you need the digital support and you don't need to pay through the nose on that. It needs to be very reasonable rates for you. If you're a large church, you can see the other prices right there. The online giving, the text to church are the same. Those don't change. We can import data from literally any other database you have out there. You do that free for small, less complex data. But, you know, if you've got 40,000 people in your database, we're going to charge you. And we can help bring all of that together under one umbrella for you, too. Okay, pricings. We start with a free trial. We can, everybody starts there. You can try text to church for free. You can do everything for free during the 30 days. And then you have to opt in at the, at the end or it'll automatically disable for you. Import from other database. We do it from everyone out there. Everybody out there we've imported from. And sometimes some churches have data in two or three places. We'll help you pull it all together under one umbrella for you. Okay. And then the last thing is just the webinars we do. If you want to dig a little bit more into some of the stuff in church teams or just what we've learned, even if you're not interested in using church teams at this point, it's not a good fit for you. Um, meet the software is either on demand or I do these live once a week. Feel free to jump in on one of those. You got most of it today. There's, um, well, you got most of it today on the meat software, but you can do it anytime. And then our basics, our academy uh, uh, on demand webinars are really good. 
Here's the basic member thing, small groups, all that stuff I was talking about on groups right here. Okay. Um, best lessons as a small group pastor on how to use those emails from your leaders. Um, I touched on those a minute ago, but we, we do those there. A lot on giving your financial person, check in, children's, mobilize. This is where we talk about volunteers, registrations, connection cards to get people moving, and then the automate ones. So all that information, all that's right there for you to do. Okay. Guys, remember at the end of the day, discipleship isn't a database. At the end of the day, um, discipleship is helping people become transformed to look more and more like Jesus. But there are some things that we can do in a database that'll help us be more intentional and make sure that we're moving towards growing people, um, really, truly making disciples. Because the idea there, it's not a static thing. It's a process thing, just like sanctification. It's an ongoing process that we're a part of forever. And it's so helpful, you guys, to get digital support tools to get you going. Whether you're just starting and you've got a, a micro church of eight people in your house and you want a way just to manage um, giving, communication, email, texting for folks, you see some value in some of these as you go forward. Maybe you're planning to launch some other micro churches and you want to work together as a network of folks. It's all built to be scalable from that size to the very, you know, huge churches out there. We've got very, very large churches that use church teams as well. Um, but we try to do the pricing so anybody can have it. Okay. All right. Any other last questions here? I, I guess you guys would have shot those here. I don't see anything yet. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for us. And then um, if there's any questions that show up after the prayer, I will um, answer those. Otherwise, you guys, thanks a ton. Let's pray together. Father, um, I thank you for everybody that took some time, you know, whether it's 20 minutes or an hour today to join me on this call. And I just pray for them, Lord, that you know their hearts and you know their passion to love and to serve you well. Otherwise, they wouldn't have taken the time. And Father, I pray that you would use them in significant ways wherever you planted them and help them to reach their community, help people far from you fall deeply in love with Jesus and those who already know you, to see the purpose of their life and a vision of what you've made them for and help them see that come to pass. Lord, you've called us. The part of the body we're in is just to come alongside and serve. If there's anybody we can help, God, would you just make that clear to them and to us and just give us the privilege of getting to know each other better. Um, otherwise, just some of the ideas, maybe one or two ideas that would be super useful. God, we would give that to you. We love you, and as friends all across the country, we lift up the name of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.